0: The Viewpoint, with Songhe on Mondays and Tuesdays, 8 till 10 p.m.
1: 21.34 is the time. We have just over 25 minutes to have this conversation. Now we're talking development of a new BRICS currency to minimize the dominance of the U.S. dollar. Is gaining momentum as leaders from Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa And a group of countries collectively known as BRICS gear up for the Economic Bloc Summit from August 22 to 24 in the country. That's next week. One of the main topics on the agenda, other than the group's expansion, is a push to conduct more trade among BRICS nations in local currencies and reduce their respective reliance on the U.S. dollar. Could the BRICS currency reduce the dollar dominance? What are the implications of this to America? Before we even talk about this, we need to understand, and these are the questions I'm going to probe, and I'm hoping that, Owen, as I'm just thinking out loud, you find ways to respond to this. How did the dollar become, for instance, that currency, that global trade takes place in outside the currency of that nation that is involved in the trade or those nations involved in the trade? I don't know economics, so perhaps help us when we're talking about what is a reserve currency, What, how do we get to having a reserve currency and the influence of the gold standard or backed by the gold standard in relation to that, the relationship, and and, and specifically how this impacts a nation. In other words, why would it be in America's interest to have the dollar being the currency of international and global trade. And if that were not to be the case, what then by extension is the loss? I'm really probing these issues because I can't imagine the US is listening to these conversations and is indifferent because There are some serious economic questions, but even before that, even political considerations associated with that, and this, of course, in this climate, becomes that much more sensitive, if you will. So I'm asking these questions, broadly speaking, because I'm I'm hoping as you engage this topic, BRICS currency, what this might mean for the nations who are in BRICS, the nations who want to join BRICS. And, of course, the global economy, particularly the impact of such a move on the U.S. dollar. I think I've given enough of a scope, so take it away, please, Mr. Owen Gom.
0: My Lord, this this is going to be a thesis, my brother.
1: (laughs) Well, there are economist (laughs) students listening here, so if you can offer them a topic, we'd gladly claim that we would… How are
0: you, Mr. Mabed?
1: I'm well, man. I'm well. How are you?
0: I'm great, my brother, Nyabil, I'm forward it's Thank good you for to be here us, tonight. No, we
1: do appreciate this. So I've given you a mouthful. Yes. Summarize it, please. Yes.
0: So maybe, maybe let me start with uh, the, the, the subject of uh, reserve currency and what it means. Mm-hmm. A Reserve currency, basically, each country, as we trade with our international trading partners, we effectively should be trading in a lot of multiples of currencies. We should effectively be trading. If you're trading with 70 countries, you should be trading. Using seventy currencies, uh, but the clever guys in back in the seventies decided that you know what, let's just have one reference point, which is uh, the U.S. dollar, uh, and then we can have the other big economies' currencies. You know, like the pound, uh, and later on we had the euro as one of the major reserve currencies out there that are being used. And all of these were based on how big uh, those economies were that owned those those currencies. So America has always been a very big economy and uh, they've had, you know, it was. it's obviously a case of if you've got more money, you get to influence what happens. And I think this is exactly what happened with the U.S. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s, where people decided, you know what, we think the dollar is a safe bet because that economy is so big and it's always growing and it's a world leader in a way the next uh, decade or bunch of decades are going in terms of uh, growth of in terms of technology legislation and all of those things so people put faith in the u.s dollar uh, or rather we forced to buy into that because the u.s used their muscles to to get uh, most of the countries obviously to vote for the idea that the u.s dollar was a great reserve currency to 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 use and uh, it's relatively stable compared to most of the currencies out there um so you know the u.s dollar the pound the euro and uh, a few other currencies, like uh, like the yen uh, in Japan, not the Chinese yen, uh, became favored as reserve currencies. So what it basically means is when you're doing trades with your counterparties outside of your of your borders, you need to choose one of these currencies, and those currencies become what you buy back. Instead of getting Indian rupees, instead of getting Kenyan shillings, uh, instead of getting Tanzanian shillings, you're gonna get U.S. dollars or pounds for whatever transaction you do. But we do some mathematics to decide to how much is one rand worth in in US dollars. So all the money that we then get as a country that is kept at the reserve bank uh, with what we call the national reserves and you know the the, the um, precious metals reserves that are sitting at the reserve bank on behalf of South Africa are all measured in these hard currencies, you know the dollar, pound, and the euro. And uh, this is how each country then decided. Or that. This is how the, the idea of a reserve currency was born, uh, so that you don't get 72 currencies sitting at the reserve bank, which was going to be a nightmare to transact and trade. So it's easier when you're trading with, uh, with Brazil to say, guys, I'm looking to buy a million chickens this year and let's transact those, you know, or other million tons of chickens from Brazil. Let's use uh, our reference point as the US dollar so that everyone then does their own conversion, says how many Brazilian li- reals uh, make up, um, you know, 10 billion rands. So we also, on receipt of that money, we're using the U.S. dollar, and we 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 it, it, it's easier that way to almost reference to one currency.
1: What is in it for the U.S.?
0: What is in it need for the U.S.? What's in it for the U.S. is that over the past uh, five-odd decades, the U.S. – Because every time people buy uh, things, even when America is not involved, both countries are forced either to buy or sell the dollar. But um, what usually happens is that uh, the demand for the US dollar uh, is pushed by the fact that when transactions are happening and people are buying or importing things, they are forced to buy US dollars. Um, You know, even if the Americans are not involved people are just scrambling for the U.S. dollar because they have to affect international transactions that they are doing. So that has kept the U.S. dollar uh, artificially um, elevated. And, and and it actually leads to this issue of saying, is it reasonable, does it make sense for the world to still look at the U.S. dollar and say the U.S. dollar must be the reference currency? And the answer, in my humble view, is a, is a, is a, is a resounding no. Because back to basics of economics, if you print a lot of money, your country should see a lot of significant inflation kicking in. Your country should see a lot of interest uh, rate increases happening. But America is the one country that gladly prints money and shows the world that we are printing money have problems. We've hit our debt ceiling. We can't borrow anymore. The Fed ban- Federal Reserve Bank cannot issue us any more money. Let us go and print. But it's never suffered. The, the 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 um the assumptions of the big
1: because
0: um and people aren't looking at america is this country that's always been big whose economies why, why? Has why are
1: stable. they seemingly absolved of what would be economic responses to an economic crisis i mean if you hit your it's, debt it's, ceiling. it's it's perceptions it's perceptions because uh we must really accept that
0: uh for the past half a century america has led any uh, major depression and it has led any major recovery from the markets and the economies. So we always look at America to see what they are doing to, to try and revive the economies. So most of the crises that have happened, probably four out of five crises that have happened uh, in the past five decades, with the exception maybe of uh, the Asian tigers, um, you know, inspired uh, recession we have seen all of those coming from America. You know, the the, uh, the global financial crisis and, you know, the, the, the technology crisis that happened, uh, all of those came through from America and the oil crisis of back in the 70s, um, you know, all of those were driven by, were triggered by a decline in the U.S. economy and a decline in the U.S. dollar and resultantly a decline in all the other currencies. And I must say that the Americans have run uh, a good story of, Convincing us, just like they do in the movies, that you know, Americans. Are great, Land of the Free, you know, home of the brave. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They've convinced us that uh, they're always going to, they're always going to 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 spin a good story, and they have managed to do that over the past decades through printing money. In and other words, the they have controlled realizing.
1: the narrative. They have always created the impression that, irrespective of what the actual economic figures suggest. America will never be a country that is bankrupt, will never be a country that cannot recover, is always a country that you can back. And they use the narratives around their arts and culture and the booming industry that is Hollywood and the arts, generally speaking, and especially the influence of U.S. foreign policy, which is through the military, through the barrel of the gun. And in that way, certainly in the developing world, it has convinced or continued to keep that narrative alive and afloat because a lot of this global trade takes place within the third world using the U.S. dollar. For instance, Europe is largely, certainly in the last while, it would be using the euro because that's the currency of Europe, particularly for intra-Europe trade, and and they do a lot of that. But when you talk about the sentiment, I'm getting you saying now they've been able to bluff their way for long enough and to the extent, use whatever social pressure um, ammunition they have to ensure that people stay within the tram lines, if you like.
0: Yes, and, and to a, large, a very large extent, America really remains uh, the biggest economy in the world in terms of GDP. Uh, so definitely from, from an economic direction, the world does take, take cues from what America is doing and which direction the economy of America is, is, is moving. So all of those things definitely are important, but the one thing that America has going for it is the fact that uh, it is still it still remains as number one biggest economy in the world. And um, undoubtedly, this is why people send much of their currencies and all their investments to the US. There's no portfolio that's not dominated by American uh, companies. You know, if you look on the stock exchange, I mean, all the big com- companies that are, um, are used out there your apples your googles and um you know Flate tesla and the idea of a uh, green environment on our roads in the future as a world uh, all of those companies are coming out of america so definitely america will continue to attract capital and as it attracts capital the us dollar will be seen and it will be valued stronger than the other currencies out there in the world but i think uh what's happened of late is that people are starting to say you know what um, like last year particularly, we saw inflation in America going up to 8.54%. And that told the world that at some point the American dollar is going to collapse and you do not want to be caught holding many dollars in your reserves. Because um, it be worthless. Because, yes, because it will end up being worthless given just how freely these guys print um, uh, print
1: money when so at, at any site of economic decline. Hold that thought. Hold so that's that why people are trying. Yes. No, no, I want you to hold the thought because I actually have a clip that is ready of Donald Trump on Fox News engaging Tucker Carlson on this very issue. And I'm saying Donald Trump is an important voice in this conversation precisely because he's an American billionaire business person who, in as much as he's involved in American economics, he knows American politics. This is what he had to say on the question of or on the conversation of the de-dollarization that is picking up momentum. Let's have a listen. It's took about four minutes.
2: Well, we're learning tonight from a leak from the Department of Justice to The Washington Post that the special counsel investigating Donald Trump, the Republican frontrunner, is now looking into whether he committed wire fraud. Okay, so as his numbers go up, the number of investigations multiply. This one appears to be related to Trump's fundraising efforts between the 2020 election and January 6th. Of course, this is an effort to sideline the frontrunner in the Republican Party while they figure out what to do with Joe Biden. Meanwhile, Trump is talking in a way that nobody else is about the most serious threat to this country, which is nuclear war. A nuclear war that the Biden administration seems intent on sparking through recklessness and truly crazy behavior. And then, of course, the second greatest threat to the United States, the other thing you never hear about as we yammer on about trans rights, is the decline of the U.S. dollar. We interviewed Donald Trump yesterday in Florida, and that came up. Here's part of the conversation.
3: Iran gets together with Saudi Arabia through China. And China's taken over. And China, you know, I heard a couple of people say, well, the dollar will never lose, lose the dollar standard. Are they kidding? China wants to change the standard, the currency standard. And if that happens, that's like losing a world war. We'll be a second-tier country. We'll literally be a second-tier country if that happens. Now, you're losing Brazil. You're losing Colombia, South America. You're losing uh, Iran. You've lost it. You've lost Russia. And if you haven't lost them yet, you're going to lose them. China's on the one, so China's gone. Then you see France going over and over. What's going on? We're losing. If we lose our currency, that's the equivalent of losing a world war. Our currency is what makes us powerful and strong. And this was unthinkable during the Trump administration. And if I saw Macron do that, I would have I would have called him. I would have said, you know what, no more wine into the United States, no more champagne into the. And I had that with him, you know, I had. Steve Mnuchin, a good guy, was unable to make a deal with France. France is very difficult, I will tell you. They're all difficult because every country rips us off. But France is, in particular, very difficult. And you probably heard where they want to charge American companies substantial tax to do business in France. So I had Mnuchin working on it and other people working. And they were unable to do it. They called me back just for a couple of months. They could not do it. I said, let me have Macron get him on the phone. I said, listen, I understand you're going to tax American companies for doing business in France. Here's the story. On Monday morning, if you don't drop this, on Monday morning was Friday. I'm going to put a 100 percent tariff on every bottle of champagne and every bottle of wine that comes into the United States of America. He says, no, 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 that's not fair. I said, of course, it's fair. You're charging American companies for going to France and doing business in France, a very big tax. So all of your wine, very good wine, but I think we make wine that's just as good. All of your wine and all of your champagne that comes in, I'm putting a 100% tax on. That's it. So good luck. Monday morning at 9 o'clock. That was it. I get a call back 15 minutes later. Uh, We've decided we're not going to charge American companies. But you know what happened? Once I left, now they're charging them.
2: So the takeaway from the interview we did with Trump yesterday, last...
1: Thank you for that. That's the context of this conversation, and I'm sure you're looking at your lips to offer your perspectives on it. But I think the the, the gravity of what could be the impact of the de-dollarization cannot be understated if Trump's words are to be taken. And earlier on in this conversation, Owen, you mentioned the fact that if India pays in rupees, well, they have. They have paid for one million barrels in Indian rupees to Saudi Arabia for their oil implications on this after the break. Babungonde, I have noted you will certainly come straight back to you after the news break, I mean after this short break, and then we continue until the top of the hour, everyone. Stay tuned.
0: The Viewpoint with Songhe on Mondays and Tuesdays, 8 till 10 p.m.
1: Earthquakes are taking place in America's fundamental, that's American dollar, American economy, because many nations are having a conversation about doing global trade outside the US dollar. There's talk of a BRICS currency. India, a member of BRICS, has already paid for a million barrels in their own currency, rupees, with a big player in global politics not just in arms manufacturing but of course in oil, Saudi Arabia What are the implications is the question Our guest Mr. Owen Gomo is on the line but for now let's go to Babungonde in Cape Town Dogu
4: Good evening, I'll be quick Um, Economics 301 will inform us that countries trade um, because of interest rate differentials Now if the interest rate differential of the British countries is such that it um, is almost the same, which I doubt, um, therefore it should not be a problem that these countries should be trading, you know, which is other, right? Making sure that the interest rate is not, you know, out of kilter. Something that happened during apartheid with countries like in the common monetary rent area Botswana you know Switzerland and rent the rent was pegged at one is to one so a quick one then to Owen Como. to me the currency that the BRICS countries should pursue obviously by negotiation would be the one for obvious reason it is very strong and if if that one would be challenged by the dollar, uh, with Communist Party, the Reserve Bank there can easily manipulate, as, as all countries do anyway. So, what does Owen say about that?
1: Fantastic, thank Because you so the
4: much. ruble appears to be quite weak. Last time I checked, it was about 100 rubles to one dollar, you know? And if, to me, they can come together, as they have, and agree on the one being a currency of choice.
1: So, I read my case. Thank you so much, Babu I much appreciate Great question. Let's listen to one voice note before you have to respond, please, Owen.
4: Hi, Ngezo. Good evening to you and, and to your guest, Herman. Uh, he's very informative, you know. Uh, it's Scully. I'm just interested, Sengezu, how does a country weigh its, its wealth like, you know? how much to print money-wise, and who keeps an eye that they print the amount of money that's required for their country, Um, how it goes around. Lovely topic, Sangezo. lovely topic.
1: Thank you so much, Scully. Thank you so much to the production team, and thank you ever so much to Owen Gomo for being available to inform and to engage some of these probing questions. Your response, please, Owen. Take us to the top of the hour where we say goodbye.
0: All right, so... (coughs) Um, I'll I'll start with the the Donald Trump assertions. They're very strong. They're very accurate. You don't want to have money flowing outside of your your, your reserve banks, your Federal Reserve Bank, Um, and that's what's going to happen. And that's actually what is happening today. You mentioned the transactions that the indians did today that money could have been the transaction could have been conducted in u.s dollars so that would have uh, propped up the u.s dollar and together with all the other transactions that have been happening over the years so once you start to see a shift away from trading in the u.s dollar um you're going to see the u.s dollar weaken, and a weak u.s dollar is most certainly going to crush the u.s economy uh, because it's going to push interest rates higher and we know what happens in america when interest rates go up there's a recession that comes through and then the conversation uh uh the the raises the one on the interest rate differential um is right in some ways uh but if you look at the BRICS uh as a cluster what i think the guys most probably do they'll just take a bunch of they'll take a basket of all the member countries in there um i'm not sure if they're going to take all the other additional members that are coming through to what i've been calling the BRICS plus but they will most likely take um, a basket a weighted average basket of uh, all of those countries, probably based on the strength of the economy, the GDP, and the stability of that particular country. Um, And I think that is the fairest approach to take. You can't use only one currency. And the conundrum that obviously is created here is the fact that China actually controls their currency they peg their currency to most of their trading partners, particularly the US dollar. Um, and on the last question uh, that the gentleman raised there, where he's talking about who keeps an eye on um, on how much currency is printed in a country, uh, we've got what we call the M3 money supply into the economy that every reserve bank globally looks at to, to monitor how much money should be printed into the economy. Uh, but at the same time, these uh, countries give themselves uh for where if there is a need to print currencies uh which doesn't happen a lot uh they tell themselves that we cannot exceed this selling um and you know these they, uh the scenario that i spoke about about america where they've been raising their debt ceiling and printing money because mm. you know they've there's so much in debt, no one can borrow america money and the chinese have bought so much american uh debt and they're probably don't be buying more so America resultantly is forced to print their own currency. And who can tell America anything? No, They're sure, America, right? Sure, absolutely. So this is why then everyone is then saying, you know what? I think we need a shift here because the basics of economics always prevail. And America, I, I checked last time that every American born is probably in debt by uh, almost about 80,000 US dollars, At you know, uh, which is quite a lot of money um and i do think that what's happening with the briCS currency is an answer to some of these questions that the global federal reserve banks are asking themselves uh, to say what happens if the us dollar ultimately does collapse they need there needs to be a BRICS currency and I do believe that the BRICS currency is going to be able to compete together with um, um, you know the euro and other currencies because we're going to be controlling probably 26% plus of the, of the global economy particularly if we get uh, the Middle Eastern countries uh, joining the BRICS. Middle yes. East
1: countries there's still a need for arms, there's still a need for oil irrespective of renewable energy and you still need to feed the 2-3 billion people that India, China and the rest of the BRICS countries involved. So there's certainly a lot of skin in the game and potential. All I'm hearing in all of this, Gaddafi was not wrong when he wanted what he wanted for United States of Africa and for the gold standard to be what would replace the dollar as the reserve, if you like. Owen, thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate it, man. Thank you, my brother. Thank you to the listeners for the engagement. 2201, one minute late for news. I'm sorry
3: about that. But let's get it before the next team is on and Oliver has just walked in.